There, there's not a lot of guarantees in life, is there? I mean, almost nothing is guaranteed. I, I saw Coach K uh, with Duke in, at his, his last home game last night, and it triggered a, a thought. About over 20 years ago, when he was in his early 50s, they gave Coach K, the basketball coach of Duke, in case you don't know, a lifetime contract. And that, that's pretty powerful. I read a little bit about that, and basically it meant that uh, he was guaranteed to get paid until 65 when he would enter Duke University's retirement system. So in his early 50s, he got this guarantee that you're going to always get paid the rest of your life. Pretty, pretty powerful. I, I think about some of you who are approaching graduation. High school students, college students, some of you in graduate school. And in May, we know that's coming up soon, you'll be awarded a diploma. And what's really cool, if it's a true diploma, like meaning you don't actually have to take more courses in the summer to actually get it. But if it's a true diploma, like you've done all your requirements, like it's yours, man. It's, you're going to be a graduate of Hendersonville High School the rest of your life. I mean, that's, it's yours. You've earned it. You're going to be a graduate of MTSU the rest of your life. If in 2014 you won some type of engineering award, this is a hypothetical circumstance because I can't even engineer with Legos, much less, you know, design buildings and bridges and traffic flow. But if you happen to have won an award in 2014 in engineering, it's yours, man. The plaque is yours. Your name's on a list somewhere. Something is guaranteed. So occasionally we have something that is, is permanent in this life. But typically, most things are not guaranteed. The, the word always is so powerful because the word always is so rarely applicable. Hey, I want to share this scripture with you today. And I, I'm so excited about Isaiah 58 because this is what I believe. I believe most of you are going to enjoy the sermon and like the sermon and, and even be impacted by it. But I really believe that there are few, there's maybe three to five of you that this particular passage will change your life for decades. And this is what I, I think is going to happen. There, there's going to be decades long ministry that the Lord is establishing this morning or is establishing when this is watched. And it's not about starting ministries because, you know, starting ministries are pretty easy because it's fun to start something. Let's make a logo and pick colors and give the dream. And there's no cost to that. It's sustaining a ministry. It's starting something and sustaining it. And Isaiah 58 is going to be fuel for you. It's going to be something that, that you're going to nurture on that's going to give you a sustainable ministry. So let's start with verse 11 because it's a powerful promise from God. Verse 11, here's a powerful promise. The Lord will always lead you. There's that word. The guaranteed contract, the diploma, the lifelong con contract, a word you don't see often. What a promise. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land, and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden. I, I want to give some commentary here. You know, it's, I've planted some gardens it's always depressing when the garden dies, you know? It's, it's, it's beautiful when it's planted, but if you forget to water, then it's like, I should have planted it in the first place. So those of you with sprinkler systems on timers, that is a gift of God. Thank God for that. But when you have to drag the hose and all that, hey, the Lord's saying, you're going to be like a watered garden, healthy, colorful, vibrant, 
And like a spring who, whose water never runs dry. These are just great word pictures of who the Lord wants us to be. Now look at verse 12. Here's a prophetic word. That's not for everyone. So the first verse probably is for everyone, but here's a kind of a prophetic declaration. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls and the restorer of streets where people live. So contextually, this was specifically talking to the next generation and the next generation who would, who would be part of restoring Jerusalem. But I believe it has a powerful word for all of us. You know, it's good to get a, a, a positive word from the Lord. And I've noticed people who like to give words from the Lord, they always give good words, right? It's always like, God's going to bless you. God's going to increase. No one ever says like, hey, next year you're going to get sick for a month. Or, or next year you're going to lose your job. So we, we, don't, we don't hear a lot of words from the Lord like that. Um, I'm not looking for one of those, by the way. So uh, don't try to prove me wrong with that. And, and now that I think about it, I do have some emails I've put in a, in a special little folder that, that were kind of doom and gloom emails uh, that did not come to pass. Thanks be to the God. Thanks be to God for that. Uh, I, I've thought about this for a while. In, in the New Testament, really, the definition of prophetic words are encouragement to edify the body. So actually that's kind of in line with New Testament teaching. So we like a good word from the Lord. We like encouragement. We need encouragement. There's a powerful promise here. Um, there, there is a, a prophetic destiny on verse 12 that says some of you, and, and this is for some of your kids and some of your grandkids are going to rebuild the walls. You're going to, you're going to take the foundations and you're going to strengthen the foundations. These are good things to speak over our lives and over our children's lives. But now that we've established that verse 11 and 12 are good, these are good scriptures. These are placable scriptures, right? Th th these scriptures belong on a magnet on your refrigerator, right? And so, so th these are good scriptures, good promises of the Lord. Now I want us to look at the scriptures leading up to this. Because in this situation, we're not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about whether you're going to heaven or not. I want to now talk about your earthly destiny. And verse 11 and 12 are preconditioned by the Lord. And, and if we want to always have the Lord with us and in and, and, and this sense of, of his special promise on us and be a watered garden, there are some things the Lord said. So to organize the scripture, here's my first organizational point. We're going to look at depth for me. Depth for me. There is something in us that wants to grow. There's something in us that wants to develop. There's something in us that wants to deepen. Sometimes we hide that because we lose confidence. And so we're like, I don't care about school or I don't care about the training or I don't care about the ranking. And that can be a defense mechanism for us. But I think if we're really honest, we all want to increase. We all want to advance. We all want to make progress in this life. And, and owning that, owning that helps us solve problems and it helps position us for God's work in our lives. So now here's, let's establish this, that personal growth is good. I mean, it is good for you to become a deeper person. 
It is good for you to become a person who there's more to you than what people see on the surface. There's deep rivers. There's things you're dreaming about. There's things you're thinking about. There's character you're developing. These are good, good characteristics the Lord wants you to have. So what is your motivation for personal growth? Is it about me? If you're speaking about yourself, is it about, about me as an individual or is it about other people? Now, going back, let's start with verse three and we're gonna be in the NLT. And there are some people that are really good at fasting and we're in the middle of Lent right now. And so it's good to be disciplined in, in forms of fast and forms of additional spiritual principles. But here's a good reminder to us that, that fasting can, can sometimes reveal a wrong motivation. Verse five, I'm fasting, you gotta come through for me. That, that's an attitude sometimes we use with spiritual disciplines. I'll read the rest of the scripture. We've been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I responded. This is God speaking through his prophet. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. It's about me, not others. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? That kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? And it's kind of like the guy who puts the, the fish on his business cards, but it's a jerk to his employee. Hey, what good is your little fish? Actually, you're hurting the kingdom of God because you're a jerk. Back in the early 2000s, when someone in a marketing department discovered the prayer of Jabez, I'd heard a sermon about the prayer of Jabez in the 90s, and I was like, man, that's really cool. Someone found this totally obscure prayer in the middle of a chronological list of names. And then it was marketed. So we had prayer of Jabez stuff everywhere. If you don't know what that is, it's saying, God, increase me. And, and there's, there's justifiers on that, increase me so I can bless others. But, I, but the increase me part was a part that really, cost, that really uh, caught people's attention. And I remember seeing like plaques on people's desk with the prayer of Jabez. And there were prayer of Jabez bumper stickers, prayer of Jabez key chains, uh, as if like it was some kind of magic phrase you can use to get richer. Well, what's the point of praying the prayer of Jabez when hypothetically you don't care for the people that, that you employ and you don't care about whether they're, they're getting a fair wage or whether your, your policy is, is pro-life that allows them to care for their children, not, not just when they're pregnant, but when they're, when they're raising the children also. What good is the prayer of Jabez if you're unconcerned with people's health options and the ability to access health insurance? What, what good is the, the prayer of Jabez uh, when, when you don't address policies in your business that, that might that, that might make it difficult for a woman to work at that company or might make it 
difficult for a minority to work in that company or may show ageism and, and that you discriminate against someone in their late 50s or early 60s because you want to pay someone cheaper. So here's the deal. Don't be good at fasting and bad at living. That's what the Lord was saying through this passage. Don't let Christian plaques and phraseology and just agreement from uh, the people in your inner circle blind your eyes to potential injustices in the way you live. This is a very, very, in the face of religious people, this is, this is a very, very um, attention-grabbing phrase that the Lord used through his prophet. All of us are drawn to earthly power. Every one of us are drawn to earthly power. Remember what I said at the beginning. There's something within us that we want to go deeper, deeper for me. I, I, want, to, I want to use my gifts the, to the best of their ability. I want to grow. I want to advance. But who's it for? Is it for you or is it for others? You know, Jesus even had this temptation. That's why we know that it's common to all mankind. And our gospel reading today will be from Luke chapter four, right in the middle of the temptation of Jesus. And there's three major categories that I see Jesus was tempted in, but we're gonna just look at one in today's teaching. Luke chapter four, let's go there. Luke chapter four, starting with verse five. And so he, Satan, took him, Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, I, I wondered if this, as I've read this, I wondered if this was like a way that he even saw kingdoms that exist today. And if the Lord doesn't come back, kingdoms that exist a thousand years from now. I mean, he just, maybe he just saw it all. He was God himself. He had that ability, but Satan was, was now using this as a specific attack to him. Now, verse six, the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. That's where we learn about that spiritual warfare that, that Pastor Aubrey called us to this morning. Verse seven, if you then will worship me, and look at this phrase, all will be yours. How many know that Jesus had already is his? So this was a shortcut that the, the enemy was offering him. Like what is already Jesus, he is a ruler and reigner of all the kingdoms of the world. And we're gonna see that fully instituted when the kingdom fully comes. But Satan's like, let's do it now. Let's take a shortcut now. Verse eight, and Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan wants to tempt you to go deep for your own fame and your own power. God, God is calling you to go deep for the sake of others and for the sake of the world. Your intellect, your ability to sell something, because that is such a gift if you can sell. Your ability to teach, your ability to be a craftsman and, and to, to make things. Whatever it is you're good at, Satan wants you to use that for your own fame and your own power. But God is calling you to develop those gifts for the sake of others, for the sake of the world. Here's one of my favorite quotes, and I think it's been a few years since I've shared this quote with you. But it just, you probably heard it, but it shook me when I first heard it. The true meaning of life is to plant trees 
under whose shade you do not expect to sit. What, what a powerful phrase. Thinking long-term. Making decisions not just for temporal fame or temporal power, but making decisions for the next generation. Making decisions for multiple generations beyond you. This is spiritual wisdom. This is a reflection of the kingdom of God. This is moving in the way of Jesus. And so it leads me to our second category, depth for others. That's where the Lord's leading us. And let's start now with verse six as we continue the journey back to verse 11 and 12. Isn't this the fast that I choose? We're back in the CSB now. To break the chains of the wickedness to untie the ropes uh, of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? I just wanna make a commentary about this. By the way, to not ignore your own flesh and blood. This is a part that is often overlooked in this scripture. You have a spiritual responsibility to your relatives. And you do. You cannot say, well, I give to the Red Cross and I give to the church and I give to, and I'm not really worried about my my relatives. And so I, I want you to realize that's a spiritual call to care for your relatives too. Don't ignore your own flesh and blood. Verse eight. Look, look what happens. Then your light will appear like the dawn and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. That's a cool way to say God will have your back. Isn't that cool? Because from the rear is where you don't see the attack coming. But the glory of the Lord, look at the end of verse eight again, is your rear guard. He's protecting you from behind. He's protecting you. And look at this, this idea of your light will appear like the dawn. You cannot. When the, when the light, the sun comes at the, the dawn, you can't contain it, right? You can't block. You, you cannot stop it. It just comes. Your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you. Verse 9. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing, and malicious speaking. Well, that never happens in the church, does it? (laughs) Yeah, right. If you do this, and if you offer yourself to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. Wow, these are incredible promises. This, This is an incredible promise from the Lord, but it's a call to engagement. It's a call to action. It's a call to involvement. It's a call to people. It's not a call just to shelter in place until he comes. Yeah, let's just shelter in place and and hope sin doesn't get on us. No, it's a call to share what we've been given. To to say, hey, that what, what I've received from the Lord, now I give to you. It's a call to care about the physical needs of the world. Because we know this, that people won't hear the timeless, needed spiritual truth when they're hungry. People won't hear that when they're scared of where they're going to sleep that night. People, people 
care about their basic needs first. I, I want to make sure that I'm protected. I want to make sure that I won't go hungry. I want to make sure that my kids have somewhere to sleep. When, when these needs are met, we know this you know, from modern psychology, even though it was already true in the word way before psychology came 150 years ago. We know that when people's basic needs are met, then they can look at ideals and they can look past today and they can look past even the next decade and in, into the future. So it is that taking care of the physical needs of our community is not anti-gospel, it is the gospel. They go together. They go together. And, and, and we, when we take care of the physical needs, the Lord's presence is there in that work. And so he moves. A lot of our fasting at the beginning of the year have, have these type of terminologies to them. This is my year. This is my turn. This is my dream. God, do this for me. And according to this scripture, God says, I don't care. I want you to do something for others. I don't care about your ministry. I care about ministry. <laughs> I don't care about you being fulfilled. And we know God cares about that in some ways. But this prophetic word is say, I care for the many people. The, as in another story of Jonah, the 100 plus thousand in Nineveh that don't know the difference between their left hand and their right hand. Yeah, this is what the Lord's saying. So we see that. We come from a history of people who have made changes. I'll give you one name. One of the most famous missionaries, his name is David Livingston. Um, he's from England. He was from England in, in the 19th century. It was like he might as well have gone to space itself when he went to the deepest parts of Africa where there were no maps and no roads. He happened to discover Victoria Falls, but he did so to bring the kingdom of God to tribes that did not know the name of Jesus. But not only did David Livingston bring the kingdom of God, he also exposed to the British Empire that African slavery was still occurring in depths people didn't realize, not just on the coast, but on the inland. And so God used him in a powerful way. Here, here's the last point I want to make here is depth for societal transformation. There's depth for me, depth for others, but depth to change our city, to change this region, to change the world. Don't let our vision be too small. A life surrendered to God, a life surrendered to God and obeying his words and following the ways of Jesus have an influence that we can't even conceive. And so now we've gone through verse five through verse 10. Let's now go back to verse 11. If you do these things, if you don't fast for yourself, but fast for others, the Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Verse 12, some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls the restorers of streets where people live. So I, I want to say something. Do not minimize your vocation and what God can do. Uh, we had in our family a public school teacher that five years ago literally changed the trajectory of our family. I'm not going to get into the whole story right now, 
uh, but it, it literally changed the trajectory of our whole family because this English teacher contacted us and pushed our, one of our kids to do greater things than we could even see in that child. It changed us. I want to tell you something, teachers, listen, educators, you are a repairer of the breach. You are a repairer of the brokenness. You are among those who are laying foundations. Don't minimize that. For those of you who are civic servants, we give politicians bad names or we give government workers bad names. But when you're making and implementing good policy that are effective statutes that benefit all the people, not just leaning into special interests, but that something that benefits all. I think about you musicians. You inspire with your voice and you inspire with your instrument and you may give hope to somebody who's ready to quit. You may inspire someone to love their, their uh, spouse faithfully. You may inspire a child to, to believe in themselves through your music when they didn't believe in themselves because of the negative voices. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. Business women who through your courageous choices bring ethics to an industry when some of these issues have been overlooked. CEOs who use your power to build up and not to take advantage of the weak. Construction workers who you're building homes and you're building offices where where creative spaces will make the world a better place and, and the way that you follow the plan and the way you put heart in the, in the construction of that building makes a difference in the world. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. Lawyers who explain the law that actually helps people, helps people thrive. Food industry employees that you show hospitality by cooking food and serving food and cleaning and hosting. And, and around those tables, families are restored. And around those tables, ideas are shared. You're not just working for a restaurant. You're a rebuilder of broken walls. You're a restorer of streets where people live. Guys, this is God's call to us. We will rebuild the ancient ruins that sin has torn down. We will restore foundations that have been ignored. We will repair broken walls. We will restore the streets and neighborhoods. You are not just called to live in your personality category and to have a nice little life where you're anonymous. You are called to take your gift and to partner with the world to repair broken places to take your vocation and your gift and to do it unto the Lord with all your heart. And you don't have any idea how, how your industry and what you do in technology, what you do by keeping computers running and by keeping uh, IT networks, uh, systems functioning are bringing health to people. It's bringing uh, creativity. It's, it's connecting people from different parts of the world and literally lifting economies together. You 
are a restorer of broken walls. You are ones who are calling our streets and neighborhoods back to the ideal that the Lord has when sin is not ruling and reigning, but the goodness of God are in our streets. The goodness of God are in our businesses. The goodness of God are in the industries that we serve. The goodness of God are in the education systems. This is why your life matters and what you do matters and you will be among those. And so we answer that call from the Lord. Now there's a lot of different ways we can do that, but I want to invite Pastor Jacob up here and and here's the microphone here in the front. And, and, you know, one of the things that when we hired Jacob and I, I so appreciate the leadership board taking a risk on him and what I felt like God wanted us to do. And, um, and you know, there's some things I asked Jacob to to help us with 242 groups, men's ministry. And I said, and down the road, we'll get to outreach and evangelism. And I've not even commissioned him to do it, but because it's so in his heart, he's already made plans uh, earlier than I anticipated. And I want him to share a couple of ways that we as a corporate church can live out Isaiah 58. Well, thank you, Pastor. Uh, March 16th, we have uh, a evangelism equipping. Oh, oh. Hey there. Uh, um, but yes, on March uh, 16th, we have an evangelism equipping uh, from 6.30 to 7.30 right here in this room. Uh, listen, it might not be a want-to issue because uh, we want to tell people about Jesus. Maybe it's a how-to. I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus in the workplace, in the marketplace. Well, here's the thing. Here at CIL, we define evangelism as speaking the good news of Jesus to all creation with joy and the Holy Spirit. In Mark 16, that wasn't a suggestion. In Mark 16, that was a commandment to speak the good news of Jesus to all creation. Not with anger, not with condemnation, but with joy and the Holy Spirit. So on March 16th, go get, get out your phone. Maybe this is how the Holy Spirit's leading you to act in obedience. Uh, get out your phone and register on Church Center for March 16th. Join me and Pastor Joshua Young uh, from Redeeming Hope Church as we talk about that. Uh, why do we evangelize? How How do we evangelize? How do we tell people about the good news of Jesus? So that's March 16th. I know that's also during uh, Sumner County uh, spring break. And maybe you do know uh, how to share the gospel. But maybe this night just needs to be an encouragement for you. uh, That, hey, yeah, I need to be a part of a mobilized church to remember again that, yeah, we speak the good news of Jesus. So on March 16th, 6.30 to 7.30, that's happening there. The other thing that's happening, this this is huge, and this is at the center of my heart, uh, is on March 26th, we're having a new rhythm in the life of our church called Bless Our Neighborhood. Uh, We talk about Acts 2.42 all the time, but what happens right after that is Acts 3. As they gathered in the synagogue, they didn't stay in the synagogue, they didn't stay in the temple of God, but they followed Holy Spirit to the gate called Beautiful and spoke the name of Jesus. One of the attributes and characters of the church is that we are a holy priesthood, and the role of the church is to bless, uh, bless the neighborhood. So what we're going to do from uh, 9 to 1230, we're going to come under the leadership and vision of specific places uh, in our neighborhood. Now, know this, we're not coming as saviors. Jesus is already in these places in our neighborhoods. If anything, we're just showing up. 
We're coming under the leadership of specific places. Gallatin Shalom Zone uh, over uh, with Bethany Sullivan. She is absolutely great. Uh, Unlimited Potential uh, and Felicia Lewis and how uh, they're carrying uh, the neighborhood there through racial healing and caring for the poor there. Um, uh, Knox Doss, uh, which is right here in our backyard. Uh, Teachers and uh, other people there. Mitch Flood, who's the principal over there. We're going to deep clean their facility. And actually that day is also uh, the Sumner County Community Cleanup Day, where we'll be sending people across our county, not only to clean up uh, and uh, clean up trash and all of that, but to prayer drive uh, uh, for revival uh, in our county. So here's the thing. There's an opportunity to serve. There's an opportunity to bless. Do not leave this place without registering for March 26th and being a part of what God is already doing in the neighborhood. Amen. Thank you so much, Jacob. Hey, let's uh, stand together. And, and I do encourage you, as we had these last couple of minutes together at ministry time, part of, you, part of your ministry will be to register for both of those events or one of those two events. And so that's part of how you can respond today.